Blog Talk Radio. December 21st, 2016 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, and this is where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism uniquely upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peekoff, sitting here. Happy solstice, everybody. That means that the days are going to start getting longer from here on out. That is, of course, if you are in the northern hemisphere as i am Uh, so welcome we got a little story about solstice a a prank that somebody played in a second here if you go over to the blog at don'tletitgo.com don'tletitgo.com you can see all the program notes for the show and today the title atop obama's christmas wish list a legacy There's a little push that Obama's making to try to, in the words of CNN, quote, calcify and protect his, quote, top agenda items from Trump's, quote unquote, according to CNN, wrecking ball. You know, Trump is going to wreck Obama's legacy. Now, of course, what is Obama's legacy made of? A bunch of wrecking balls. So what is a wrecking ball? that's used to destroy a legacy that's made of wrecking balls. You know, we could have some sort of metaphysical discussion about that. Uh, If you want to give me your theory on that, you can call in and and let me hear that. It's 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. But we will be talking about the things that Obama is doing to try to, quote, calcify and protect the top agenda items in his legacy Uh, whether any of those should be preserved at all, and is he going to succeed in producing a legacy of any value whatsoever? I doubt it. I'm still holding out for him to do something really good. He did one thing that's, you know, sort of good this week, and we'll talk about that. So like I said, go to don'tletitgo.com. Welcome to everyone who is over here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio. As you might expect, on a holiday week, we're going to have kind of fewer people hanging out live. Everyone's busy doing their last minute shopping and shipping and everything else. Maybe just stressing about the holiday, maybe just relaxing and deciding they don't want to think about politics for a day. That's of course acceptable as well. If you do call in on the line, make sure if you want to talk to me that you press one so that I know that you would like to speak as well. (laughs) People who have lives says old toad. Now, I've got someone here in the chat room live saying people who have lives. Is that an admission? Yeah. <laughs> an admission against interest. 
that you have no life. Oh gosh. I, you know, I was talking with uh, somebody this morning about, you know, people who ha- have no lives. There are people out there who make a whole industry of trying to insult and belittle other people. And you just say, okay, go get a life, particularly in a holiday season. Just mind your own business. Try to have a good holiday. Try to pursue your values and don't worry so much about what other people are doing, you know, unless it's an attack on you directly. Okay, fine. But social media can get to be really strange out there. So if you go over to the blog, don'tletitgo.com, you will see under the program notes, the very first article that I've got there is from Snopes. And yeah, Snopes is sometimes politically biased, but this is something that has nothing to do with politics and everything to do with somebody playing a prank on us. Uh, And I was sucked in by this yesterday. So I find it particularly funny and I'm actually have lost, I've lost some sleep because of this prank. I, I stayed up late last night waiting for a lunar eclipse that was never, ever going to happen. And I actually thought I missed, the lunar eclipse only due to cloud cover. There was a lot of cloud cover last night here where I live in Southern California. And so I thought, Oh yeah, I missed the lunar eclipse because of that. And so then I go online and I say, Oh, you know, darn, I missed the lunar eclipse. Did anybody get a good photo? And sure enough, Rob Ratterman, thank you for posting it. Gave me the Snopes piece called eclipsing the truth a 2010 article about the imminent occurrence of the darkest night in 500 years and a lunar eclipse circulated as new in 2014 and again in 2016. So I have been officially taken in by fake news. I also put on the program notes the particular version of the article that I was taken in by. It is something that was posted by a Facebook friend who I have, it is someone who shall remain nameless, but who shall be teased mercilessly for all eternity. Uh, the particular version of the piece was from Gizmodo. You know, Gizmodo's usually pretty reliable, and Dateline was right. Oh, wait, the Dateline is wrong. 2010 <laughs> is now the Dateline. Now, did they switch the Dateline? I don't know, because I swear I changed it. Interesting. That's really funny if I misread the dateline as well. Anyway, I got taken in by this. Oh, yeah, it says, please note the timestamp on this post. The event took place in 2010, and then it was shared around again. Uh, The first part of the piece clearly is satirical because they talk about, you know, Dick Dick Cheney rises from the grave. Dick Cheney's still alive. All, All kinds of other funny things. But the last part of it was actually serious and indeed I guess it was in 2010 that it was posted so yeah I was taken in thanks to all of my Facebook friends who played along with it and in particular Anne in Australia had a really really funny response to learning that I was out there looking for a a lunar eclipse she obliged and and she (laughs) I'm still laughing every time I think of this probably because I'm sleep deprived right now but she put a picture of a tortilla stuck to a window a dark window so it looks sort of like a moon anyway it was pretty darn funny what do we need we all need ben bear's sniff test apparently where you can 
really sniff out the fake news and not be taken in by it. Uh, he's gotten only four of the five promised installments of the sniff test out there. When he finishes the fifth, I'm going to try to have him on the show and we'll talk, you know, we'll revisit the issue of fake news and I'll be glad to do that. So I want to go over to the chat room and see how much people are making fun of me over in the blog talk radio chat room, or maybe no, no, none of the phone in people is calling to tease me. Five sniffs is a snort, says Old Toad. That's interesting. Okay, everyone, you should be able to hear me now. Now, what is this? The length of the show is fine, right? Yeah. I, I don't think there's anything pro- any problem with the length of the show. We've got a minute and 19 some odd left in the stream. So that's not the issue. Somehow, for some reason, Blog Talk disconnected me. Maybe they were doing it. They said, oh, my God, this woman, she was taken in by fake news. She cannot be a serious talk show host. And so, therefore, we're just going to go ahead and disconnect her and mess with her. Could have been that. <laughs> yeah, sound is back. It should be. I will try to keep monitoring over here on the Blog Talk Studio page to make sure. It's really easy for me to know that I'm connected when, for example, I'm talking to a caller. That's not really a hint, but if you want to take it as a hint and you want to call in and talk to me, that's fine. Why? Because if I can't hear the caller, then I know I'm not connected, right? But once it's just me blathering on, sometimes I could be disconnected and not even know it. And if I'm blathering on and I don't have the chat room up and I don't have a visual of you guys telling me there's no sound. Yeah. Oh, Rob says, I hope you mean an hour, not a minute. Yes, an hour and 19 minutes or 18 minutes, whatever we've got left. So definitely we are, we are going to be fine with this. So yes, I'm a little bit tired today due to having been taken in by fake news. We definitely are going to need Ben Bear to help us out. And I look forward to having him on the show. So let's go over to blog. Don't let it go.com. And you're going to see what it is that I'm talking about with the title of today's show. I ended up kind of getting here in an odd way. I could just kind of give you an idea sometimes of how I'm putting together a show. I have a Facebook friend, Mark Natickman, who's got a lot of news, good news stories and stuff. And I started out there this morning with this story that's towards the end of the program notes, which is, California secession organizers say that they've opened an embassy in a very appropriate place, mind you, in Moscow. So that's pretty funny. That was from LA Times. So then I go over to LA Times and I find an article about Obama using executive authority, just solely executive authority, to impose new permanent bans on offshore drilling. Of course, this is one of the things that he's doing to try to put together his legacy, you know, preserve his legacy. So I went ahead and looked for legacy items more generally and found this piece published yesterday over at CNN. Again, go to program notes at don'tletitgo.com if you want to see all the articles that I'm talking about and follow along with me. Uh, If the audio comes up on this silly thing. I'm going to go ahead and and mute it again. CNN can sometimes be obnoxious that way. Uh, Obama makes final push on key legacy areas is the headline. And this was updated actually this morning. So I may have to go ahead and go take another peek at it. But um, 
let's see if it's going to try to bombard me with some obnoxious sound. I'm going to pause and not let that happen. So we hope. Okay, yeah, so it's Barack Obama. As his tenure draws to a close, is deploying his legal authority in a last-minute bid. I love these, you know, sort of militaristic words that they use in these articles here, right? And that's why I ended up quoting some of it in the description for the show. Deploying his legal authority in a last-minute bid to cement the areas of his legacy threatened by Donald Trump's incoming administration. This is funny. Okay, yeah. So here we go. Um, they're locating. They, they want it, they're locating these areas where Obama's top agenda items could be, quote, calcified and protected from Trump's wrecking ball, according to officials. That's the way that they put it. And what has he done? A few things they talk about in this article. First, an indefinite ban, the way that LA Times put it is a permanent ban, indefinite ban on oil drilling in huge swaths of the Arctic and Atlantic Oceans. And he's doing this, why? Because Trump is coming in, because Trump has, in the words of this article, promised a boost in U.S. energy production. Uh, Second, it says he's advised lawmakers of plans to transfer almost one-third of the remaining population at Guantanamo Bay to other countries. Trump's vow to fill up the prison with, quote, bad dudes. Now, here's CNN, right, trying to make Trump, and you know, Trump, you know my view on Trump, right? I, I'm not a big fan of Trump anyway. But you can see just how biased this is, right? You know, Trump has vowed to, vil- to fill up the prison with, quote, bad dudes. They're using that informal language that Trump uses to try to make him look bad. I would assume that Trump is going to have a better position on Guantanamo and who should be there and who should stay there than Barack Obama. You know, shame on Barack Obama this week in particular with the attacks on Berlin and everything else, w- sending prisoners from Guantanamo Bay, most of whom have been involved in terrorist attacks, right? Islamic terrorist attacks against the United States. You're going to send them to other countries, basically free them, allow them to go and perpetrate more acts of terrorism against United States and its allies. That's pretty disgusting. The other thing they say that he is hastening his efforts to reduce the prison sentences for hundreds of nonviolent drug offenders after his replacement campaigned as a strict enforcer of law and order. Now, you know, this is a false alternative, first of all, to say that if you are going to be letting nonviolent drug offenders go, therefore you are against law and order. This is the one area where I agree that this is a good thing for Barack Obama to do. Go ahead and reduce prison sentences for nonviolent drug offenders. If you have a violent drug offender, it's a whole different story. But if you have nonviolent drug offenders, keeping them in prison is doing nobody any good as far as I know. Uh, It's costing a whole pile of money increasing the prison population and therefore the tensions and the lack of resources in the prisons. It's not any good for the so-called drug offender, uh, as you call them, usually addicts who actually need some kind of help and they're not going to get help either from prison or as far as I know, the traditional AA programs that they probably are, you know, foisting on them in prison. Um, So yeah, that's bravo to him, but the people that he is not pardoning are probably other people where he could really create a very valuable legacy. And one of those uh, places is by pardoning Edward Snowden. So I, w- I would like to see that. 
But these are these are the three things that they talk about. You notice that they're not talking about health care in this CNN piece, and nor, I guess, is Obama putting an emphasis on health care, doing anything about it. I think he probably knows that Obamacare is a total wash, that it is completely humiliating, and that he should try to put that under the rug as part of his legacy. But yeah, this is the piece that essentially inspired today's show. You can see that Barack Obama is desperate to remain relevant, to have a legacy that he can brag about in some way or the other. And like I said, he's doing things that, you know, arguably go beyond any power he should be exercising desperately at the last minute in order to get this done. Uh, So as I said, in particular, the article that grabbed me this morning is this one from the LA Times. Obama will use his executive authority to impose new permanent bans on offshore drilling. And you might think, what? You know, he talks about using the pen and the phone if Congress doesn't act and everything else. How can any president impose permanent bans on offshore drilling anywhere just using executive authority? How is that possible? How is that possible? And, you know, if it is imposed using executive authority, couldn't it be just as easily withdrawn by Donald Trump also using executive authority in a matter of a few weeks? So what's the point? I was, you know, puzzled and alarmed when I read this this morning. So, you know, you know, I saw the headline and then I said, okay, I got to read this piece. And it turns out that there is a law, a 1953 law, that purports to give presidents this power, this power to single-handedly impose permanent bans on offshore drilling. The law is called the Outer Continental Shelf Lands Act of 1953, and it says the president, quote, may from time to time withdraw, end quote, federal waters from oil and gas development. They announced this this as part of a joint action with our buddy Prime Minister Justin Trudeau from Canada. But think about this. You know, Trudeau, uh, he did not try to make any sort of permanent ban. I don't know what his authority is with respect to Canadian law anyway. But his commitment is only to a five-year moratorium on the drilling in the Arctic, you know, according to Canada. You know, Trudeau's not at the point where he's trying to make a legacy for himself either. So maybe he says, okay, I'll just do the five years. Who knows whether there's going to be some faction, you know, within Canada that he wants to try to appease or or do something here. Um, Yeah, Old Toad in the chat room says it's too expensive to drill offshore now. Anyway, you know, this is something that you get into as you go deeper into the article Uh, is Obama just doing this for the sake of some sort of window dressing where the areas that he's banning are not even areas where people want to drill? And there's one paragraph in the article that indicates that, that of all these areas, there's a whole bunch of people who right now would have had permission to do some development there, but had decided that it would be too expensive to do it. So, for example, they talk about uh, Royal Dutch Shell, that they had conducted exploratory drilling in a certain region in the Arctic. And they says last year, after spending more than seven years and $7 billion preparing, 
Shell abandoned its plan after a single summer of drilling, citing disappointing results. So for a lot of these areas that Obama is trying to impose this permanent ban, it seems that he's not really doing very much at all and that this is sort of window dressing. He's trying to look good. He's trying to have a legacy that's full of complete hot air. Uh, quote, the administration emphasized that oil and gas exploration have thrived in other parts of the country at far less expense. While the Arctic is believed to hold vast reserves, excuse me, it currently provides 0.1% of the nation's crude oil production. None of the companies that hold the 42 active leases in the Arctic's Beaufort Sea is currently pursuing drilling, right? So this may just be this kind of pro forma thing where he's trying to look really good, have a photo op with Justin Trudeau. I mean, Justin Trudeau, you know, good looking guy, have a photo op with him, say that they're doing something for the environment and not really do anything. However, then you go on, if you continue in this article, there are apparently people who will be hurt by this. And the people who will get hurt are Alaskans says, while many lawmakers on the East Coast supported Tuesday's decision, Alaska's three-member congressional delegation sharply criticized it and other moves by the administration that have restricted oil development in that state, including previously announced protections for a wide swath of western Alaska and Bristol Bay, home to one of the world's largest runs of wild salmon. Says the vast majority of Alaska's budget is funded through revenue from oil production, which has been in steady decline as production on the North Slope and the price of oil have declined. Many Alaskans view offshore drilling as a potential economic lifeline, and lawmakers said Tuesday's decision would leave them with even fewer options. And this is a quote from Senator Lisa Murkowski. She's the chairwoman of the Senate Committee on Energy and Natural Resources. She says, quote, President Obama has once again treated the Arctic like a snow globe, ignoring the desires of the people who live, work, and raise a family there. And she says, quote, I cannot wait to work with the next administration to reverse this decision, end quote. And then the question is, how easy will it be to reverse the decision? The LA Times piece here says that it actually could be quite difficult that overturning the ban could require, quote, years of legal action and the passage of a bill in Congress, end quote. You think this is ridiculous. How could it be that a president can issue a permanent ban, a permanent ban on drilling in any particular area without some sort of legislation from Congress? Isn't you know our system a system of checks and balances? How can you have a 1953 piece of legislation that undoes a system of checks and balances and in effect allows Barack Obama to legislate unilaterally? Ed in the chat room says, the left has always passed laws giving the president arbitrary authority to do leftist things while it would take a new law they would have to overcome the filibuster to repeal it. Many environmental laws are like this, he says. Yeah, so when I went ahead and posted this on Facebook, there you know, were a lot of responses. And some people were saying, well, what will Trump do? Trump will probably go ahead and try to reverse it and just anticipate legislation from the left. 
or not legislation, litigation, litigation, legal challenges from the left and go ahead and let them do it. Right. You know, this has been Barack Obama's, excuse me, this has been Donald Trump's style in his business. You remember hearing about things like there's a caterer he'd have a dispute with and he'd go ahead and not pay the caterer and say, okay, go ahead and sue me. Let's go ahead and see Trump do that with respect to these environmentalists. I think that would be a really good sign. The other thing that you could, you know, try to read the tea leaves and see what it is that Trump is going to do about stuff like this. I went ahead and shared the article that Rob Abiera sent me in the program notes. It's the Washington Examiner piece that says uh, that, you know, what what are we going to do? We're going to prioritize the environment and jobs with Pruitt at the helm of the EPA. This is from the Washington Examiner, uh, published by Senator, you know, written by Senator Jim Inhofe. It says it's time for a change at the EPA. Over the past seven years, the nation has endured a rogue agency distracted from its core functions. The result has been regulatory uncertainty in the form of federal mandates crafted by unelected bureaucrats and also Obama himself now, apparently. This has crippled our economic growth and opportunity. This call for change at the EPA is not an attack on the environment. Oh, no, you wouldn't want to attack the environment, right? Uh, But rather a conscious decision to move away from the unlawful means used by the Obama administration to implement policies. Okay, so this sounds good, right? He's, you know, sort of on the right side. But the idea is, oh, no, 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 we wouldn't want to attack the environment. It's just the means. As long as you go through all the right means, then it's okay to cripple production, cripple innovation, do anti-life things. That's fine, as long as you use the right means. That's the message of this. He just doesn't happen to believe that if they use the right means, that it would be politically feasible to do the kind of stuff that's been done under the Obama administration, I hate to tell you, you're probably wrong, and you may even get some more under Trump. I mean, we'll have to see what sorts of deals he's going to strike. And it says another pernicious aspect of these environmental laws is that they declare that any citizen has standing to challenge any government action. Usually only people with demonstrable harm have standing. Yeah, I remember seeing stuff about that several years ago. Um, you don't have to show standing with respect to environmental damage the way that you used to. I've got a couple calls on the line. I'm going to go ahead and take them. Hi, you're up first. Who's this? Hi, this is uh, John Kenny. This is Amy. Yeah, hi, John. I haven't spoken to you for a while. How are you? Yeah, good. My computer's on a blink, so I just phoned in to listen to the show. Um. And, anyway, and once you're there, well, it's just I, like it's just like a mere half second to push the one button, and then boom, you can yep. be on the air with me. It's awesome, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I listened to a little Rush Limbaugh this morning, and he mentioned the these new uh, executive orders, and he said there's not really uh, much um, effect in them, in that the, the ban on offshore drilling is in the North Atlantic, uh, offshore where there is no drilling. There, there's nothing to drill for there. And then uh, in the Arctic, now that, it's that's, a very that's far the Atlantic, north. though. That's the Atlantic, though, right? Right. I think that's where that's where the order uh, is focused. Right, and but the, the LA Times the LA Times article is saying that it also has effect on Alaska, and that yeah, right. combined yeah combined with other things that Obama's been doing lately to quote shore up his legacy. Uh, 
uh, yeah, that well, it's having detrimental yeah, effect on Alaskans, right? Well, I, yeah, I don't know. As far as what Russ said, the the area that's banned in Alaska is not an area where they're looking to drill. So now I didn't get the rest of his broadcast, but I think what the left is trying to do is make uh, bargaining chips uh, for when uh, Trump gets in office. And this bargaining chip really has no value, but it's going to be a bargaining chip. And uh, the left, like Chuck, uh, up Chuck Schumer, is going to be saying, we'll give you this if you give this X, Y, and Z. And right. I don't think Donald Trump is, is a very good negotiator. I think Mr. Trump is easily duped, uh, is, is one of my uh, you know, take takeaways from Mr. Trump. I think he's going to be duped left and right, left and right by the news media, by the uh, bureaucrats and the politicians of the left. <clears throat> but anyway, this thing is, is a chip of no value, and Trump is going to jump at it, okay? And he's going to give something of value for something of no value. See what I'm saying? Mm, right, right. I mean, you know, again, when I realized yeah, that. When, when I was when I was looking at this LA Times piece, they made it seem like you know, all of these areas where he's saying, oh, look, I'm stopping this oil drilling, that there was no real imminent drilling anyway. Nonetheless, Alaska representatives seem to be alarmed by what he's doing. Now, is it just, is it this, or is it this in combination with other things that uh. he's doing, you know? And, and yeah, right now, Oil prices are such that it doesn't make economic sense maybe to drill in some of these areas, but we don't know what's going to happen in a few years. And so the yeah. idea that there's a permanent ban on this drilling, I mean, we don't even also know, right? Right now, it's not technologically feasible to have a profitable drilling enterprise, say, in these areas. But in two years, somebody's going to come up with a new technology that's like the ocean equivalent of fracking or whatever, and suddenly it will be, you know, this, this idea that Obama can come in and institute a permanent ban in these areas simply through executive order is ridiculous. You know, how, how is this law standing on the books still since 1953 that gives the president such authority? It's ridiculous. Yeah, I never heard of that law, but I think the left just came up with this just to throw another chink in in the whole mechanism. This is another thing that Trump's going to have to bring, leg- you know, um, legal action to get rid of, even though it so may you're, not you're, you're saying much value. you're saying you think it's um, it's more about having bargaining chips to deal with Trump than it yeah. is about Obama's legacy. Well, it's it's, it's both, but I think um, the the leftists that look at Trump. I think they see a pigeon there that they're just going to be plucked. And uh, the more chips you have, um, let's put it this way. I don't think the major leftists that run uh, the socialist progressive wing care that much about Barack Obama's legacy. I mean, he does. He's a a narcissist of unbelievable uh, dimensions. Uh, He's totally deluded. you know, I for, just 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 for the record, though, like, you know, I I you know I I don't diagnose political figures, and I, you know, as far as I understand from people I've talked to who are actually in the field, it's irresponsible for anybody to try, you know, especially a professional, it, it's unethical for the professionals to diagnose without actually having clinically, 
you know, examine Obama. Talk so people, th- yeah, well, pe- people throw this around. And, you know, again, I, I go back to the thing when people do horrible things as Barack Obama has done, Barack Obama has violated our rights over and over and over through the whole term of his office. At that point, it doesn't matter what the hell the diagnosis is. I don't care. You just want him as far away from you as humanly possible. So, yeah, I want him to be irrelevant. And now he is, you know, trying to put his legacy all over the place in ways that give him permanent relevance and in, of course, nihilistic ways that give him permanent relevance. And it's horrifying. Yeah, it is. Well, every once in a while, I hear uh, sentences he makes, uh, ideas he expresses that indicate a deep uh, uh, narcissistic uh, strain. Like when he was in Cuba, he said some crazy things. Uh, like uh, if he deals with a historical issue, he'll say, gee, that was five years before I was even born. You know, I mean, you have to be cr- mentally cracked to uh, to have things, uh, your own birth year, as some sort of uh, great barrier or, or uh, uh, point in history. I and mean, that's the way he thinks. You know, it's all about him. You know, anyway, that's where yeah. I see him. Now, now, how do you see, because, you know, John, we haven't spoken, I, I think, too much after Carly Fiorina was out of the race. Oh. So how do, you, how do you feel about Trump? Well, he's a mixed bag. He, he certainly, I'm a longtime Republican. He certainly wasn't my first choice, second choice, third choice, fourth choice, or fifth choice. <laughs> okay. But uh, it, it, the most remarkable thing about him is here he's run, he ran for president, and he did no study no reading about political philosophy or even the, the everyday issues of politics. He said a couple of years ago, he's not interested in politics uh, yet. He ran for president and he yeah. won yep. against a field that was much better than him. I mean, Carly is immeasurably more intellectually coherent than Trump. Yes. She knew the problems with government and had a program, ABCDE. As, is, Trump as is my favorite candidate, Ted Cruz, but go on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, sure. I, I wholeheartedly would support uh, Ted. Uh, I, I thought Carly could uh, offset some of that female vote that would go to Hillary. I mean, that's the only reason I went for for Carly originally. Turns uh, out it wasn't but, required. Uh, Who would have thunk? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, wow. I don't know what's going on these these days. I'm thinking about writing Carly a letter, uh, asking her what her connection with objectivism is. Is this okay with you? I'll, I'll ask her. You know, did she have a connection with Ed Locke? I think she he, she was one of well, his assistants. Well, if she yeah, if she co-authored a paper, she clearly did have. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting. If you if you write her and you end up getting a response and and you want to share, I would really be interested in hearing it. Yeah, that'd be great. Or how about if I, I could tell her you know what time the show's on? Maybe she can phone in. You'd be okay I would with love that, it. Right? I mean, I would I would love to have her as a formal guest. That would be fun. So yeah, if you yeah, end up having good. success in that regard, I would love to to talk to her. Yeah, great. Okay. okay. Thank you. Thanks for John. And nice. uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Okay. Same to you. Okay, okay, bye-bye. Take care. Okay. I've got another call. I'm going to go ahead and grab. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Yes. Uh, can you hear me? Clear, please. I, I can hear you. Who is this, please? Oh, I appreciate it. This is Rez from UK. Uh, how are you? I'm doing Okay. What would you like Merry to talk Christmas about? To you. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. You know, you. Uh, just 
uh, about uh, Obama. You know, although we are not happy with his uh, what's uh, the you know Obamacare, but mm-hmm. he did really great job because at least millions of people who do, did not have uh, access to medical medical or good healthcare system, at least he he gave it. Maybe everything is not fine, but they have to remodify, remodify to make it better like Europe. In Europe, if something happens, right now I go to a hospital, they give me my name and date of birth, that's it. I don't see any bills at all. You know, right, in, in, but, in, but you know, it, what, what they do, though, what they do is they lower the quality and standard of care for everyone because you've increase the demand artificially um you've also reduced the pay for the doctors so a lot of the better doctors end up quitting uh you know what what he's starting to do is destroy the healthcare industry i've got one story i don't know um you said your name is rez is that right right yeah that's right yeah you're you're a new caller so welcome to the show uh, if you go Thank to the, you I, I I've, I've got a blog over at don'tletitgo.com where I put all the program notes. And one of the articles that I have for today's show is that California, the state where I am, has a $20 billion health care emergency on the horizon thanks to the effects of Obamacare, which has been in effect only for the last few years. Um, so there is going to be a huge you know, uh, amount of debt that's going to have to be made up within the healthcare system. And how are they going to do that? They're going to ration care, long wait lists. I was just talking to a friend the other day, um, got a friend in, in New Zealand where they've got socialized medicine. And actually he had put this thing in as a comment to a, another show with Bill Whittle um, that people die waiting to be treated in countries with socialized medicine because of the necessary rationing that you've got. Um, You know, government intervention, what is it? It's force, right? They are pointing guns at either insurers or doctors, or they're pointing guns at all of us. They're taking our money in order to pay for other people's health care, and they have distorted this market. It's only going to be further and further carnage in the industry. So yeah, California's got a $20 billion healthcare emergency. That is how much the state is going to lose in federal spending. They say, oh, this is funny, actually. If, if Republicans repeal the Affordable Care Act, yeah, so they got it, that basically now California is um, dependent on federal money. And that if this federal money doesn't continue to come in, then suddenly all of California's medical system is going to collapse because of this $20 billion right. exactly. health care. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. No, it's You give yourself good information to your listeners. So is that collapse is better or better to have a good, I mean, uh, okay, we say good or a bad, ugly, whatever you want to call it. Well, let, me, let, me ask you let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Do you, do you think you should be forced to pay for things for other people? Should you be forced to pay for things for other people? I mean, the question is, okay, bottom line is we are in global community. I mean, 
even Bangladesh. I, I don't. I don't care. Have, I don't care. I don't care whether you define it globally or locally or whatever. I mean, you can have it at the level of a neighborhood. Do you think that you should be forced to pay for other people's things, health care, food, whatever it is? Should you be forced? But everybody or, pay taxes. So through the taxes, they take and then they give um, a universal health care system to right, everybody. Right, right. So, but, the, but, the, so, but the taxes so. the taxes are not voluntary. You're being forced to pay them, right? Okay. In, in, in United Kingdom, we have, ta- I mean, we pay taxes, but sure. in, in, instead, we have everything you want. If something, you know, say from anything you want, let's say housing, if your uh, elders wants to move to, you know, different apartment or something. Can I get a Porsche 911? No, I, I right. I mean, you're 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 talking about you know there are certain things, and you can have basically as good a chance of having access to life-saving medical care as anybody else who depends on the system of socialized medicine. But I've heard many stories, and if I did some Google searching right now, I could bring up stories of people who have died waiting for essential care in England, not just you know other socialized countries, but also in England. Um, as, as a matter of fact, but, I think I, I remember so seeing a story. No I, I saw a story within the last I'm, few months. There was a hospital administrator within your system in England who herself she died on the wait list. Right. I mean, we know that in Canada there is some wait list too. We know in mm-hmm. Australia there is a wait list too, but it's still. Okay, if you don't have it, then you have no wait list. And there is no chance for you, zero chance. But now, well, no, there is, there is, there is, there is, there is a chance for you. The chance, the chance is called, the chance is called private charity, right? The chance is you go out there, and now on the internet, it's awesome. You can start a Kickstarter, and all these people donate, and for you to be, you know, get some money for care. There's there's a couple problems. I mean, first of all, we could talk about the horrendous effects. We could talk about the horrendous effects no, no, all day but, long. But, we Health, are, but 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 we got to go back to the basic. We got to go back to the I basic. Mean, the basic moral the, issue. The basic moral issue is: should you be forced? Should you be forced? Should you be should you be forced to pay for healthcare for other people? Okay, ten percent of the U.S. population control the ninety percent of the wealth in your in your country. That's and 10% that's of the U.S. population that's... pays how much in the taxes? We could go to that statistic, so too. What? No, they, but they let's, let's, please, let's, let's, please, let's get back no. to the moral issue. Let's get back to I'm the moral sorry. issue again. Should you, we have to should, think you everybody. should you be forced? Should you be forced? Should, what did you say? I said you cannot be selfish anymore. You cannot you, be selfish. Now, see, uh, if, if that is the view that you're promoting, you actually sort of called into the wrong show because on my oh, show, we, be, we actually believe we actually, we actually believe on my oh. show in the virtue, the virtue of selfishness. I'm and sorry. by selfishness, I don't, mean, I don't mean I should be able to do horrible things to you in the name of my self-interest. I'm talking about a rational self-interest whereby you and I engage in voluntary trade for mutual benefit, but mm. I don't sacrifice myself to you and you don't sacrifice yourself to me. I'm, I'm against sacrifice. So why is it that I should be in favor of a system, a socialized medicine system that has me that, 
sacrificing to other people. system will go down. Your banking system will go down. Bank holidays and 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 hold the crash. Hold the crash is going to come in front of you guys by your uh, Nazi Hitler Donald Trump. I'm Nazi Hitler and Donald Trump because I don't believe that the government should use force against its citizens. Nazis used force against citizens. They exterminated Jews. They were horrible people. I'm saying that what I want to do is I want to ban the initiation of force from human relationships. And I don't care if it, the initiation of force is done by the government against citizens on, you know, the guys that supposedly they're going to do the best for everybody. They're going to provide health care for people and stuff. I, I believe it is wrong to initiate force against other people, even if the cause is supposedly providing health care. Uh, but 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 let's see when when your demand in High Castle comes on January 20th in your uh, become the 45th president of uh, in in your country. And yeah, we dread that actually. See, so so many of us will, dread him being what, president. What will happen? And then you, your history will be rewritten, rewritten again, indeed. And you know, right now hate crime is rise in your country. 500%. Shame on Donald Trump. Donald Trump never condemned this is, this is, this Donald Trump. This is not Trump. the topic, Ray. This is not the topic, no, right? So this is I'm, I'm, I, I myself am I'm not done. a huge fan of Donald Trump. I'm, I'm trying to bring you back to the issue. Do you believe that you should be required, forced, to pay for something for other people, health care? taxes in UK. We, we pay do pay taxes. taxes. That happens, that happens to be the status quo, but the fact that it's the status quo doesn't taxes. mean that it's moral. We're, ta- we're talking about the moral issue. We're talking about the moral then, issue. Then everybody gets a piece of pie. It's better than nobody gets a piece of pie. Okay, you see, so, that's the so, problem. So, so you, think, you think for the sake of egalitarianism, for everything to be more equal, then yes, it is okay to force some people to pay for things for other people. But we that's all pay a taxes, good thing to do. Uh, globally. We pay taxes in the UK. We pay taxes right. in Canada. We pay taxes every so No, I know. We, so do, we do that everywhere. Pay. We do that everywhere. everywhere. So, 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 see, so, so see, this is good. This is good, Ray, because now we've gotten to the basic premise where you and I disagree, which is – you believe that it is that you believe that it's moral to force some people to pay for others in the name of equality in some way, right? Or, 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 or okay. So, so, so then you say maybe yes. It's not uh, okay in our country, UK. Okay, you say that we are uh, waiting for a social surgery. We are waiting for uh, time, etc. Okay, maybe few people die. Okay, but but if we don't have anything, then all people will die. Which one you want? Which one is better? I ask you think you all 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 people would die if we got rid of socialized medicine? That's, I, I mean, a, a universal healthcare. Uh, I mean, yes. Which one is better? I mean, I don't have the money to pay. Uh, you know, uh, say two thousand right. pounds so, so, to and get so if, my, okay. my now, insurance. Okay. Now there's there's two there's two aspects of this array. So first of all, if we got government out of the healthcare industry. We would see a lowering. We would see a lowering of prices. So things would not be as ridiculously expensive as they are when you've got this artificially propped up and heavily bureaucratic healthcare industry. That's what we have now. So first of all, it would be cheaper. But second of all, 
if you don't have the money to pay for something, then what you should do is seek private charity. And I have nothing, uh, you know, against donating out of private charity uh, come for on. people. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I mean, come on, my dear, you know, I, we all have to pay the, the bills and etc. You're asking. Uh, we are, uh, we are, yeah, we all have to pay UK, our own bills. Citizen, and right, and right now our bills, go, go. our bills are a lot higher because of a bloated government. So that's why uh, right now, you know, charity is a lot harder, I think, to come by because we already are subject to so much theft from our government. So I think that's why, you know, um, Raze, I have, I have really enjoyed talking to you. I'm going to go ahead and, and, end this conversation now, cause I have three other callers waiting on the line, but if you are interested in continuing to pursue this discussion, cause now we've gotten to this route, right? This where we disagree, which is we disagree at the point of equality, right? You think that it's okay to force some people to pay for things for other people in the name of equality. It's not fair in your view that some people can afford to pay for expensive healthcare procedures and other people can't. And so therefore we should create this huge socialized bureaucracy in in medicine. If you're interested really in pursuing this argument, I recommend Don Watkins and Yaron Brooks book that they have. It's called equal is unfair. Equal is unfair. And in that book, they tackle exactly the premise that you've got there at the root of the view. I do appreciate your call raise. I hope that you'll call in and we can talk on another show as well. If you want to continue to pursue this, because I, I like talking to people who disagree, but I do have three other calls right now that I'm going to go ahead and, and start grabbing here. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Yes, ma'am. My name is Shakir. Shakir. Welcome to the show. Yes. Yes, ma'am. I just came to, uh, I'm totally in agreement with what you're saying. Nobody should be forced. And it's a, okay. it's, a moral, it's a moral being. Now, with that being said, do you have any children? Right? Why is that relevant, sir? Because, uh, oh, well, i put it this. There are people who have children. Would you, hypothetically, if you didn't have children or if you did have children, would you, is it is it worse or is it it's the same thing to me? If you trick somebody into signing over their biological property as the, entity to secure this money being printed, would you also disagree with that? That it would be wrong to trick somebody into signing something. Certainly. I mean, I'm an attorney and that sounds like fraud to me. So of course that would be wrong. So, so, right. So you know that, you know that there's two constitutions, right? So the original constitutions and the other one is a corporate charter called the United States of America. Oh, gosh. Okay. This is a uh, topic that is really beyond the scope of our show. So I'm going to go ahead and end that call right now. Um, I do thank you for your call, but that sounds a little little beyond our scope, we'll say. Hi, you're on the air. Who is this? Hello. Hello. Who is this? This is Waldo. Waldo, yay. So you're not going to uh, talk about a conspiracy theory of any kind, I assume. Uh, no, I actually forgot what I was going to talk about because oh, of no. everything that just happened. Okay. No, but I was really happy to talk to Ray's because we got down to the foundational issue and he let me, you know, follow with him down to the foundational issue, which is equality. Right. And that yeah, he I believes mean, that, that equality think- is, is an important cause that is 
so important that it's okay to initiate force against others in order to achieve equality. And this is a basic premise that a lot of people hold. So it's, it's good to try to take a look at that. Yeah. I mean, I totally think it's great to have someone with a different opinion come in so you can bounce off of them, you know, like what are they getting at? Try to go down to the root to try to then like, okay, where is the fundamental difference? If there is a fundamental difference or is it a difference in how to approach the problem? It's very difficult, though, trying to have a conversation with someone who, who has, like, that language problem that you don't know if you're, like, if, under, if he's understanding you 100% or you understanding him 100% of the I, time. I think, I think we understood each other. And if actually if I, if, I, if I go through the rest of the callers and I still had time, I would go back to him. I, I'm definitely looking forward to, to talking with him more in a, a future show if he'll call back in. So, yeah. Um, do you remember yet, though, what you wanted to say? I'm sorry. I could go back and try to refresh your memory based uh, on my program notes. <laughs> um, well, I was ta- um Well, uh, well, I think that came up in my mind when I read the caller was when he said, like, oh, but you can't be selfish. I'm like, how did he find this show? If he's saying <laughs> that, oh, you can't be selfish when he found, like, the selfish show on Blog Talk. Like, I couldn't, I just thought it was so funny that, that he said that, and like I'm like, have you been? I actually should podcast? put selfishness in my taglines, right? That could be fun. <laughs> Probably, um, but um, yeah, I I was just thinking. I think I originally called way back when you were talking about Obama and um, the wrecking ball, and then also about the permanent ban on uh, on oil research in the Atlantic and the Arctic, and what came to to my mind was thinking about fake news then and how some articles, just the way they title themselves, it's not that they're fake news, but kind of like most people don't read articles. They just like read headlines and they get from that yeah. like the like then they just like, well, that's what it is and then move on. So that idea gets stuck in their head. So like if they read articles like a permanent, permanent ban on uh, uh, oil research in the Atlantic, like, I feel like that's probably not a permanent ban because it can be undone, but it has to be undone through a certain process that can be long and difficult. So technically, it's not a yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think that that's an inaccurate headline, right? It is as permanent as anything is in Washington right now, which is that it could be changed by legislation. But legislation is getting harder and harder for people to achieve. And presidents often, they don't want to even bother going through having the laws that they would like to see passed, you know, proposed and voted on and debated and everything else. That's just too much trouble. They'd rather pull out the pen and the phone and have it all done with an executive order. Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's right. Um, so, uh, so that's, yeah, executive orders, um, this is what you get when <laughs> when you give that much power to the executive branch. Uh, someone can just say something, like the president can just say, I want this to happen, and then it happens. It doesn't have to go through any check and balance against it. Right, right. Um, um, so, so do you think Obama's going to succeed in having anything of value in his legacy at all? Well, I don't know. I've been trying to think, like, what could possibly be something that he has done that has added value to our lives, and I can't really think of anything. So 
when they say like protect his legacy, uh, I'm kind of drawing a blank as to what his legacy is in the positive. Uh, do you have any? Solyndra, <laughs> tons of money down the drain. Obamacare, destroying insurance companies and everything else about healthcare throughout the country, enslaving us all to each other, um, destroying positive. the ability to develop positive. oil drilling, right? He's, he's got all this destruction in his wake. The one thing that he could do, in my mind, that would, you know, it, with it, it's within the realm of possibility for Barack Obama to do is something that he's probably not going to do, which is pardon Edward Snowden. Uh, he really should pardon Edward Snowden before he leaves office. That's why I went ahead and short, you know, I shared that link again in the program notes for today. I urge people to share it. Pardon Snowden. Yeah. There's some leftist people who are aligned with the pardon Snowden people, but Snowden really should be pardoned. That would be something of tremendous value that Barack Obama could do. He has done something of some value which is commute or suspend sentences of nonviolent drug offenders, so-called drug offenders. Often these people are addicts and they're just using drugs. They're not harming anybody else. Um, you know, that's one good thing that I could see that he's doing. But, you know, this idea of dumping people out of Gitmo and sending them back to other countries, thinking that those people sent back to other countries are not going to get, a, you know, get out, do us harm, do our allies harm, stuff like what we just saw in Berlin in this last week. Um, I mean, all of these things terrific. that he said, like let's say he does pardon Snowden, that would be amazing. Uh, but like they seem like last minute, like uh, last minute issues or something that like, let's say like what he should do is like pardon Snowden and destroy the NSA and any possibility of anything like that happening of, of you know, us losing our rights by being spied on by the government. Or if, like, Guantanamo Bay, instead of, like, just releasing prisoners, or, like, are you going to close it or are you going to keep it open? Like, what is going on? You're just, like, releasing people. Like, you're not actually doing something. You're just sort of like, oh, well, I guess I'll just let some people out. But that's, the jail is still there, right? So so what does this all even mean? Well, and, and if he's letting out only a third of the ones that are remaining, it doesn't seem like he's actually going to close it, which was one of the things that he campaigned on, he probably realized when he took office and was getting the requisite briefings and everything else that if he actually did close it, there are major risks to the interest of the United States and the safety of American citizens that he would be taking on and, and that you don't want to do that. You know, this idea that you could just try everybody in a regular court of law according to regular procedures, regardless if they are Islamic jihadists engaged in an effort to destroy us. No, those, those are not people who should just be tried in a regular old court of law in the middle of New York city. Right. So mm -hmm. it's yeah. like half hearted. Like, I don't think this amounts to a legacy. <laughs> like these are, yeah. these would just be like small actions. Like it wouldn't really mean anything in the long term, I guess would be. So I don't think it would count as part of his legacy. It's just like, well, he did that before he left. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, Someone was trying trying to say that he wants to continue to, you know, kind of remain relevant post 
presidency and that one thing he could do is if Trump, if Trump actually tries to re, you know, reverse this executive order, that he could sue on his own behalf as the person who is interested, uh, you know, the challenger. I guess everybody can do it because it's an environmental issue, but, you know, wouldn't Obama love to sue Trump, right? Uh, um, I do. <laughs> do you think that, what do you think Obama's plans are going to be after being the president? Like, do you think he'll create the Obama Foundation, which will be like the Clinton Foundation or something, and start sure, amassing? Sure. Uh, you know. What, what I what I do know what money. I do know is like one of his five houses is in California, and that really frightens me. <laughs> Will he become the president of the new Republic of California once that leaves? Oh God. Uh, oh my gosh. I hadn't even thought about that. See now you're you're two steps ahead of me, Waldo, because yeah, I mean, they already the secession organizers apparently they're centered in San Diego. So San Diego listeners, can you get on this please? But actually the guy is from San Diego, but he's in Moscow. Um some guy from San Diego is in Moscow and they say that they've opened an embassy. In Moscow, that's the first place that the Republic, or I'll call it the People's State of California, because they won't, but they should. Uh, that's where they want to have their first embassy is in Moscow. It's quite fitting. Oh, well, <laughs> will Russia be the first uh, country to recognize uh, this, um, the leaving of California, even though the fact that they're leaving is because of Trump? Like, I don't know, like, it would be very, like, did you ever think that Russia would have such a role in the U.S. election or, like, what people are doing? Like, I feel like this is so weird. Like, everyone was worried about Trump, but now suddenly everything's about Russia. Russia, the only reason, well, okay, I I have a couple things. I took Russian in college, so I have kind of a little bit of a fascination. Ayn Rand's from Russia, so there's kind of that too. And I visited Russia once and really liked that trip and saw where she went to college and grade school and lived and everything. It was a great trip. Uh, I speak the tiniest, tiniest bit of Russian. Russian is the only foreign language that I thought in ever in my entire life. I've studied Spanish and French, but Russian, I actually thought in Russian for one brief moment when I was drunk in college. So I have kind of this, you know, this bizarre thing. And then now Russia is the place where Snowden lives and they haven't killed him. So that's kind of cool. I'm glad that they haven't killed Snowden. Um, so yeah, otherwise Russia mostly wouldn't really be on a serious radar. And, uh, you know, did they really try to sway the elections? One of the program notes that I've got for today is that, Justin Amash and Walter Jones have written a letter to Barack Obama telling him, look, if you're going out there announcing plans to retaliate against Russia for supposedly interfering in our election, you need to present public proof, or at least you need to hold a classified briefing for all of Congress and give them the proof that the Russians have meddled in our election to the extent that retaliation is warranted. But instead, Barack Obama, you know, pen and phone and mouth, and he just goes out, you know, announcing plans to retaliate without even properly briefing Congress before a serious action like that is is done, right? I mean, yeah, I think it's, it's the strangest thing. It's like, did they or didn't they? We still don't even know, like, what like what is going on? Like they can't. They say like maybe they did something, or 
but but if they did, then why is this like this is a bigger issue? Like this, yeah. <laughs> like when they don't get into power, it's a problem. But like anything else that Russia does anywhere else, they don't give a crap. Well, and and by the way, Ed has been proven right. If you go on Twitter and you go to the account couldn't be right or I actually didn't link to it in the program notes this week, but I did last time or actually I, I linked on Monday, I'm pretty sure to couldn't be writer. If you go to couldn't be writer on Twitter, that account, there's a couple of charts. I've actually I think retweeted at least one of them that show that indeed as Ed predicted, it has come to pass that the news coverage of the Russian hack thing has mostly gone away. Now that the Electoral College has done their thing, that Hillary Clinton has been humiliated again because what she lost the most electors in history, Hillary lost the most, not Trump. I think Trump lost too. Uh, it's hysterical that that happened. And then now, of course, there's no reason for the media to be pushing that story because the whole reason for pushing that story was to sway those electors. Uh, I just think it's like the strangest, the strangest like combination of, of like, you know, Russia's not really. I mean, they have a huge arsenal of nuclear weapons, which is a big problem. But other than that, they're not like even a powerhouse economy at all. So no. they, so that it has to become that Russia is like Russia took the Crimea, Russia, uh, um, Russia's involved in Syria. Uh, Russia allegedly, like, it, yeah, Russia's Russia's doing election. some moves in Syria Russia right now, right? They just it's like, what is going on here? They they are trying to, and you know, people have talked about this this idea of Russia filling vacuums when they can. So there was a vacuum, right? There was the vacuum was with respect to Snowden, which country is going to do the morally right thing and give him asylum? Nobody did. And so Russia said, hey, you can live here, and it's convenient for us to have you alive and well in our country. It shows something, right? You know, he's, he's a bit of a, a pawn, but I think Snowden has probably been smart enough to not be used in the ways that Russia might want to use him. I think he's valuable just being alive uh, in, in, in Russia, and I think that's kind of where he is. But, yeah, that was a vacuum. I mean, Snowden applied for asylum in all kinds of countries, Western, Latin, everything. He, I think, had passage, you know, potentially to Ecuador, maybe someplace else, and he ended up not being able to get there. Uh, so Russia had to take him in. That was a, a vacuum. There's this vacuum with Syria, and now Russia's getting together, what, with China and Turkey and stuff to figure out what's going to go on in Syria, which means that Assad's going to stay in power. Is that good? Is that not good? All kinds of stuff is being decided not by us because, in part, Barack Obama so weak. And do you think that Trump's perceived, uh, I don't know if friendship is the right word, but him being okay with Russia and the dictatorship of Putin is also going to affect the world stage? Like, you know, it's it it's, it's not it's not really it's role. not really clear it's not really clear that Trump is actually quote okay with dictatorship. I think Trump has done a poor job of isolating the things for which he has admired certain leaders, and of course he states things in a horrible way. So it's not that you know he admires brutal dictators necessarily. 
you know, again, my, my whole view on Trump again is, you know, he's just not that into your rights and, and he doesn't see the importance of being very deliberate when he talks about, you know, what it is he admires Putin or other leaders for It's It's just the strength abstracted out of context. You know, that's what it is. Now, obviously strength alone, apart from what it is that you're being strong about is garbage. Um, but yeah, I, you know, a lot of it's going to remain to be seen. I, I still right now think we're slightly better off having Trump and holding his feet to the fire for the next four years than we would have been if we had ushered the Clinton machine back into Washington at full strength. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah, so so in your view, Waldo, Barack Obama is not going to get that, which is at the top, you know, at the top of his Christmas wish list, a legacy worth anything. Yeah. Right. I mean, I can't think of anything. You can't think of anything. So um, a, li- a little I mean, bit for even... those nonviolent drug offenders. I give him a little bit for that. Okay. You give him half that. a point. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I I say that. I mean, I, I can't. I really can't think of anything positive that happened during his time as president. Mm-hmm. A lot of negatives. And you know mm-hmm. now we're gonna get a new president, and hopefully, if if we didn't get anything positive in this one, that means that he he's already ahead. I mean, well, he has a higher chance of maybe doing something positive. Yeah, like if he can do something do positive, positive, that'll that, that'll be nice, and, and I'll be I'll be happy to give him the kudos when he deserves it, and I'm gonna be a very harsh critic when he doesn't. Right, he deserves all the criticism. Like he he deserves for if, if he if he's violating rights or or behaving in a way not befitting the title of president of the United States, of course. Exactly. Thank you, Waldo, for calling. I'm going to go ahead and grab another caller. I wish you a, a Merry Christmas, and oh, if maybe Thank I talk you, to you next Amy. week. Happy New Year, and we'll talk again soon. I hope. I think this one this caller is Debbie. Is that right? Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Amy. Merry Christmas to you, Debbie. How are you? I'm pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed that debate you had earlier. Um, I found it very interesting and, and, and entertaining. You know, disagreement can be more interesting sometimes. Um, yeah, it, and, it can be. And actually, there's there's further that I could have gone with him, but, you know, I did have other callers, too, and you know, maybe at at some point in the future, he will call back because I am serious. I would want to continue that discussion and talk about the things that are at the foundation of the egalitarian view. And and it gets pretty abstract and philosophical at that point, but it's a fun debate to have. So hopefully maybe he'll call in again and we'll get to have that more. But I, I like getting to that point, right? Because it doesn't matter, you know, he's going to throw out the statistics about people who don't have health care and now they do. And I'm going to talk about statistics of the waiting lines and the insurance companies going out of business. It all comes down to that basic issue of whether you think it is moral to force some people to work for the health care of other people or the food of other people or whatever, to force them to do that as opposed to ask for it in private charity. And it's nice to expose that where, you know, it took a while for him to just say, yeah, he wants everybody to be equal, even if that means forcing some people to pay for others. Yeah. He didn't want to say that about the, that he, that he condones force. I could tell he wasn't super 
comfortable with that, which right. is a, is a, is a, what's it? As well, he shouldn't be right. A, As well, he shouldn't right, be. That's right. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was going to, it's like a, um, a good thing about him that he didn't like saying that. So, um, you know, this actually kind of ties in with your discussions of Obama's legacy. So mm-hmm. has he added any value? I think that depends. You have to keep in mind that for a nihilist to add value is to destroy value. And he absolutely has. And I have, and I have one particular example of, uh, of it, which is relevant even to the debate that you were having. Now, of course, mm-hmm. it's a fundamental moral issue that matters. But as far as Obamacare is concerned, I have a perfect example. My, uh, I have a problem with my knee, just some cartilage that's, that's, uh, that's missing basically now or torn. And it can be treated with regenerative stem cell therapy, basically just injection of stem cells into my knee. Nice, um, nice. But yeah, but my, which is amazing. My orthopedist said, um, unfortunately, your insurance will not cover it. Nobody's insurance covers it. And so I asked him how much it is out of pocket. And it's like uh, a few thousand dollars, which fortunately I can afford. But if I were just kind of like a regular middle-class person who can't get medical care that their insurance doesn't cover, I would be SOL. And um, so basically what Obamacare has accomplished is made that made it so that it's skewed even more towards whoever earns more money as to who can get what health care. And, right. and he's making these things, these amazing like stem cell therapies so that they're only available to people who are more like upper middle class and, you know, in a pretty good financial situation as opposed to, um, and I'm really proud of the fact that I'm one of those people, but it just makes me mad because, um, because of the fact that otherwise I would just be screwed. And so, I mean, um, think about this. I know, I know people, I know people who have used stem cell medical therapy for their dogs in veterinary Ah. applications. Yes. I love that. So imagine. I didn't even know you can do Oh, I mean, this was Sorry, years but... ago, years ago. You know, I've been in the world of dog agility competing in, in that sport, and it's common for the dogs to get injured. And one of the ways that they've treated these injuries from that sport is injecting stem, stem cells like you're talking about. Wow, that's awesome. I love that they're doing that for even animals. That's just a test to what a wealthy uh, and um, – yeah, uh, vital country we still are that we can yeah. we can do stem cell treatment for dogs. I can't even imagine yeah. like take two hundred years ago, try and tap someone on the shoulder and tell them <laughs> that you're going to be doing that kind of thing for an animal. They they'll just they'll never be able to make sense out of that. <laughs> now you awesome. know in some ways in some ways you could say it's ultimately for the benefit of human medical treatment as well because if we see success in the dogs with the stem cell treatment, then we're going to be more likely to invest the money to do big studies for human beings. Right. Um, you know, so there sure. is, there is some, there's a cross pollination, but it is true. I was just talking with uh, someone the other day about this, that, you know, the, it's wonderful that we have enough extra resources to devote some of them to our pets in this way. Right. But <laughs> yeah. the, you know, the other thing too, is that because we don't have a socialized, medicine equivalent in veterinary medicine it's Mm -hmm. cheaper it's cheaper to take advantage of these new types of therapies like stem cell therapy for your dog than it is for you you know you almost feel like you want to go have a vet inject your knee because it'll be so darn cheap compared to what you're going to have right 
Uh, I've heard of that. I've heard of people people like looking into that in places like Canada. Like, can I maybe mm-hmm. just go to a vet to get the treatment that I need? <laughs> it's interesting because that, it does still provide a pathway for development of treatments, and you can kind of start getting your revenue coming in sooner because you you don't have like an FDA for animals, and so you can start kind of get your product out there in some ways and do some learning and, and, and generate revenue, and it makes it still possible for more things to be uh, eventually on the market for people, too. So so that's a really good thing. If we, Hopefully we'll never have, like, uh, someone crusading for socialized medicine for animals because... <laughs> well, and some people we'll sort just, of do, right? And increasingly they're, you're seeing more insurance in that market. So it, it goes and it's going in that direction, but at this point it's still largely free and you know f- free in the sense of not that you get free care but free in the sense of force is not being initiated yeah. there and therefore it's it's much less expensive there isn't a you know exact translation between animal veterinary applications of certain things to humans there's certain drugs where the you know the effective dosage is vastly different i mean even if you took it you know proportional to body weight or whatever because there's mm-hmm. certain sensitivities to drugs that dogs have versus people and if you get that wrong like if you just try to do it by body weight and give the dog the same drug as you or vice versa you can cause some serious issues so it doesn't you know always translate over and just from my experience with dogs I know oh, I think no. I think Valium you know, is like one of these things um I think Valium is a is a drug where I can't remember if you use a lot more or a lot less for dogs than you would think I can't you know but you always way, have wait, to be careful no, 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 no. it's way more subtle than that you don't just scale stuff up I mean you, but there's a lot of stuff that you can learn on in a more nuanced level with like the chemistry, the body chemistry and, and learning right. about potential side effects. And, but yeah, no, no, people don't, people don't, people don't do animal studies and then just multiply by the, yeah. <laughs> no. By the people. <laughs> no, but I'm sure some people have done that in the privacy of their own home and, and had a bad effect either on them or their pets. Right. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, well, yeah, I am. I am really looking forward in 2017. As much as I don't like Trump and uh, fear Trump sometimes uh, quite a lot, I am looking forward to saying goodbye to Barack President Barack Obama. Isn't that going to be wonderful, Amy? Yeah, I think yeah. I'm going to have and, and some champagne. <laughs> this year, I mean, 2016. Again, I shared that one video, and I keep going back to it. You know where the poor little kid is taking out the trash and the trash can lid keeps hitting him on the head. There's just so many darn ways in which that was my year. I want to go find that video again, just so I can laugh about it again, because it just happened over and over with this trash can lid hitting my head. Uh, Oh God. Yeah. I just want to take out the damn trash. Can I just be done? Including Barack Obama. Let's just get him out the door. Right. Um, yeah, well, well, that's going to happen. That's something we can know that's going to happen and look forward to taking out the trash from the White House. <laughs> so are you going to be around next week? Maybe I'll have a, time, a chance to talk to you then, or is this it for the 2016 year? I'll probably be around, I think. Okay. Hopefully I get to talk yeah. to you next Wednesday. Next Wednesday is going to be my first show. I'm, I'm going to be off Monday because of the holiday. So I, I hope to speak to you then, and until then I wish you a Merry Christmas, Debbie. Thank you. All right, you too. Okay, take care. I've got one more call I'm going to try to get in, even though I'm starting to run out of time here. 
Hi, Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Oh, it's Harold. Hi, how are you? Hey, how are you doing? All right, so I want to follow up on your show from Monday. Um, There's very little time today, so I had five subjects. I'm going to stay with one subject, China. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, I... I haven't posted any links to the John Batchelor show in a while. You know, he's a, he's a trained historian, and he has some mm-hmm. in-depth, really in-depth shows. And so I listened to one the other day, and his guest was Gordon J. Chang, who's an expert on China. And this is what happened. That, um, that drone was a submersible uh, autonomous vehicle. In other words, it was a submarine. It's plain vanilla generic technology. It's used for mapping temperatures, ocean depths. Generally, right. they send them ahead to make sure everything's safe, and then they draw maps, and that's what they use. And it's sort of like a Radio Shack type thing. You know, all navies have them. It's no big deal. There's nothing secret about it. It's just a spanner or a screwdriver. That's all. It just does its job. So what the Chinese were trying to do is they were trying to do a political game. They were trying to take it, embarrass us, and then us get us to pay some sort of tribute, tribute some sort of political <laughs> price, to right. embarrass us politically. That was the game. But right. once once Donald Trump started making his comments, it had a completely the opposite effect. The Chinese are now racing back to return the thing as fast as possible. It's like a hot potato that they don't want to touch anymore. Because uh, apparently, and Gordon J. Chang said, that's not good enough. Not only do they have to give it back to us, but they have to be punished as well. There has to be a price they pay, the exact opposite of what they expected, to act as a deterrence in the future so they won't do it again. So mm. they, won't play, they won't do the North Korean, you know, you know, we've kidnapped one of your people and now you've got to give us a billion dollars worth of wheat, you know, stuff right. like that. Right. So that's, that's and, and also the ocean, the, the whole thing happened in the, just in the continental, in, in the, ocean just off of the Philippines in what would be Philippines economic ocean area within 200 miles of the Philippines. So completely out of the area that China already illegally claims. It wasn't even there. So essentially, China is going against 400 years of international law about the international commons, the oceans, and they have no rights there whatsoever. It would be like the United States, which touches the Pacific and the Atlantic and the Gulf of Mexico, us claiming all of those for our own, and nobody's allowed there except the United States. That that would be ridiculous. That's what China's yes. doing. They're doing the equivalent of that. And we so you're, you're, you're saying um, that Barack Obama, in his response to this, has managed to mess up yet another opportunity that he would have to you know, create a vaguely positive legacy for himself. He's, he's totally screwed it up. Bull, he's giving the bully his lunch money. Yeah. yeah. So... And and if you keep doing that, the bully will come back for more lunch money and maybe more stuff. Of course, of course. So just just holding now. Here's here's the story on China. China's growth rate has dropped below seven percent and is falling. There's big trouble inside China. This year alone, uh, a trillion dollars of Chinese currency has left the country, and probably most of it's come over here. People are looking for a safe haven, and next year they looks like another trillion dollars. They've put controls on, so currency exchanges of 50 million or less were minimally controlled until yesterday. They've changed that number to 5 million. So in other words, a wow. business wanting to invest. So and that, that's, they're going to put even tighter controls on, but it's like taking a teaspoon in the ocean. They, 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 they pumped 50 billion or more uh, a couple of days ago to try to hold their currency up, and it did no good whatsoever. 
So the Chinese are in trouble, and this will cause big political problems inside China because the government, believe it or not, is a lot more moderate than the people. The people are much more nationalistic. Hmm. So when things go bad, they will look for an external adventure to distract attention from the internal uh, economic troubles. Right, right, a la 1984, yeah. We've got more of that coming. Um, One of the things we know about China is they're not good at warfare. And I know this because there's a guy who lives in China. His name's Robert Gomong. He's a lecturer in Dalian, the city of Dalian. Right, I know know who he is. I know who he is. Um, yeah, he's a I've, professor got, I've, got, I've got just a couple of minutes before I have to go, though, so are you able to make this, this yeah, point Yeah, I, I want to make the point about China and warfare. They had sure. some joint maneuvers with the Russian uh, Navy recently, and they ended up accidentally ramming the Russians, and the Russians had to call the whole thing off <laughs> just because of the lack of expertise on the Chinese part. The Russians were just, we're done with this. This is, this is a joke. And the reason most of this is the single-child policy and parents are overprotective. Talk about helicopter parents. The Chinese parents are super helicopter parents. And mm-hmm. so the children don't get exposed to any dangers or anything because they've only got one child. So they're super careful about them. And they don't develop the skills that give them the, the ability to do all this military thinking. And so the Chinese are just not good at that whole thing. And, I, and, and the Chinese government knows it. So the people in China are gouting the government into getting involved in warfare. And the government is pretending to do stuff. But they know they'll get beaten very badly if they ever come up against the Japanese. It'll be a one-sided war. The Japanese will flatten them. So they're not getting involved there. All right, that's that's fine. Um, The the other thing is there's a bunch of liberal, by liberal I mean classical liberal shows out there right now. Um, You know Ben Shapiro, right? Of course, yeah. Now Ben Shapiro was saying something recently about foundations of philosophy that basically I think any belief system is based on subjectivity. It was something like that. I have to go look. Christopher uh, Bowden, who's a listener to the show, posted something about this. I have to take a look at that. But Harold, I do have to let you go. So maybe if you want to call in next Wednesday, we could talk some more about that. But if you also wanted to, at the blog, post some links to some of the shows that you wanted to refer to, that would be fine with me as well. So all right. Take, have a Merry Christmas and everyone have a Thank holidays. you. Yeah, Merry Happy New Year. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you as well. And I hope to talk to you next week or soon after that. Okay, take yeah, care. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to run quickly through the remainder. I've got some program notes there. We already talked about California secession organizers and the embassy in Moscow. Good luck with that. Metallica. His, James Hetfield moved out of California. Why? Because he was sick of liberal elitists. So he sees the writing on the wall. He sees what's going to happen pretty soon. Uh, But there is a piece of good news there that I wanted to emphasize. And we've talked a bit about Facebook last time on this show. And I was defending Facebook, you know, that I said I had more, not necessarily faith, you know, faith is is not quite the right word because it's not baseless. Based on my experience with Facebook, I have more of a belief that in the future I will continue to be able to express myself and my ideas via Facebook than I do about the future of the United States being, you know, smoother and great under a president, Donald Trump, let's say, right? I think that there are some principles that Zuckerberg adheres to that, that Trump doesn't. Anyway, check out Facebook live audio that is coming soon. That is some place that I might actually consider taking this show at a certain point, depending on whether certain elements, features 
are offered with that. So take a look at that. That's very exciting. Facebook Live audio is there. Don'tletitgo.com is the place to sign up and keep track of the show. I will talk to you guys next time on Wednesday. I'm taking Monday off with the holiday, but I look forward to speaking to you then. I'm going to leave you with a little bit of music here, my phone willing, and this is Muse Bliss. And it's not playing, and I don't know why. That's exciting. Okay, well, I'll I'll play you Muse Muse Bliss another time, everybody. (laughs) Take care. Merry Christmas, and we'll talk next time. Yeah.